0: Let's pray. Father, we just want to bow our heads as a uh, a family of your children, and we want to acknowledge that, Lord, we're, we're back at work. Lord, we are experiencing food in our pantry, in our refrigerator, and in our bellies this morning. Lord, we're experiencing just the best gifts, and we realize they all come from you. Lord, as we give this morning a portion back to the ministry, to the church for the furtherance of the kingdom of God, we give as a celebration that our God is great. Lord, we rejoice with the healing of Anna. We rejoice with the salvation stories we've seen in the last few days. God, we rejoice that your grace is going out as a gift to save humanity. Lord, we rejoice that your material gifts and your wonderful care are upholding our our physical needs. Lord, we celebrate you this morning and we rejoice that your love and your kindness and your peace is sustaining our hearts in a time of turbulence. God, we pray for our own country this morning as we go through our own uh, wildfires of protest and, and vandalism and looting and Lord, we pray that you would calm those spirits and calm those hearts and heal communities all over our own country. God, we pray for racism to be eradicated from the hearts and minds of the Americans. Lord, that we would look at our brothers and our sisters of every background and culture and color as our equals and our friends. God, we pray that Lord, you would heal our nation. We need it desperately. And Lord, we pray that your peace would sustain us. Lord, that you would encourage us. Lord, that you would show us how to love as you love us. Father, open our understanding this morning as we think about life to come, the resurrection body, the reunification of heaven and earth. God, bring clarity to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor David. Come and join me, and uh, let me thank you for standing in in these weeks when I'm out doing an awesome job, and I enjoyed your message last week. I was watching from, from Austin and uh, cheering along with you, and because I knew what you were about to say, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, he's about to say this, this is a good part, coming right now. And they, everybody in the room's like, shut up, let's listen, you know. And uh, uh, today we're going to answer some questions for uh, the people, some have been emailed in, some... Mm are just essential questions you and I knew that we needed to answer as we wrap this series up. Um, as, as I help families deal with the reality of their loved one's death, uh, at a, typically at a funeral planning moment, someone in the congregation has passed, and the congregants who have survived come to me, whether it's a husband, a wife, or their children, come to me and say, we're preparing a funeral now, Pastor, get involved with the process and 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 talk us through what we need to do uh, one of my priorities, uh, as a minister of the gospel in that moment is to bring comfort to the family. Uh, that's really my highest priority. Uh, their loved one is in a different situation now and the funeral's not about that. Right. The funeral's really about the family at that point mm-hmm. and how we as ministers bring comfort and peace to the surviving loved ones help them get some perspective on the passing of their loved one, help them come to understanding, and in some ways maybe partner with the Holy Spirit who's trying to bring peace to their hearts. In that process of praying with the family and, and ministering the Word of God, and you, you, you bringing hope, really, from the Word of God, this is the hope we have about the resurrection and the future to come, family members will often ask, really some of the most, mm. I don't say difficult, but profound. Sure. Uh, they'll ask some of the questions that are the most serious. Yeah. They have yeah. deep implications. And they'll ask those questions sometimes as if they were simple questions to answer. Sure. And they're not simple questions sure. to answer. Uh, probably the most common when someone has passed is the surviving family might say, Pastor, where's my loved one? What are they experiencing right now? Right. I want to know. Yeah. Where are they and what are they seeing and what are they feeling and what are they, what are they dealing with? Because somehow that gives us peace to know that they're
1: sure.
0: what their situation is. Correct, yeah. correct. But that's not a simple question to answer. Yeah. Yeah. And you may think, well, my pastor ought to be able to say, boom, you know, this, this, and this. Um, uh, it's not that easy. Uh, I can't answer it, and, but but I don't want you to think it's a simplistic thing to sure. answer. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that I want to hold back what I know yeah. uh, from people. It's not because I doubt the reality of an afterlife. I don't doubt the reality of a life after this life for sure. I I mean I know there is, but the answer is difficult because the Bible has surprisingly little to say about going to heaven. After you die. Well, and we've just spent
1: weeks doing that. We've just talked for weeks about really what the point of the Bible is all about. It's not It's not about going to heaven when you die. Now, that's in there.
0: But it's not so the point of the it's story. not the
1: point of the story. And the more that we study and read that, the more that we're we're realizing that the, the point of the story, which we've established now for several weeks, because we talked about it, that... The point of the Bible is about the reunification of heaven and earth. The relationship that we see at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is one of connection and togetherness. And then what happens because of man's sin is that those two realities, those two representations we keep talking about, which are heaven and earth, God's domain, where his will and presence are, and our domain, where our will will and presence are, are carried out. in exercise yeah. yeah the, those two realms no longer overlap like they're supposed to, and now what we have instead is a rift where there is two separate realms, and so it can be difficult to answer what seems like on its face a simple Should question. Should be easy.
0: It's not that straightforward, right? right. Because
1: the Bible, it, again, it talks about it, but it's it's not the main focus, and okay. and when we think it is the main focus, we are we are left with. Wanting those answers as if the Bible very clearly in the book of Heaven one and two and chapters three chapters one says
0: boom boom this boom is boom what boom. it is right it's not laid out like that
1: and and that's why we wanted to come to this uh, kind of the fin- the finality the the finale I guess the, of, of the, the series. series here and and a- answer some of those like pressing questions again what Pastor said earlier the questions that maybe you've been asking and texting and maybe even some that you haven't thought about yet um, we wanted to answer those because they are important. They are contained in the Bible. The Bible does have answers for us. Even if we have to go look for them a little bit, they are there. Things like, what happens after we die? Don't followers of Jesus go to heaven? Um, isn't going to heaven the main thing that Christians are supposed to hope for? Isn't that what we're all
0: about? Yeah, are you ready for the answer to that? Uh, isn't the story, and they all flew away to heaven and lived right. happily ever after, the end of the Bible? I'll
1: fly away.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad morning when this life is over, I'm gone. Yeah. Uh, Article 10, the Baptist faith and message. Yep. Now I'm quoting from the articles of faith that all Baptists adhere to. Right. Article 10, they die, they get resurrected bodies, strangely enough, in Article huh? 10, yeah. and they fly away to heaven to live eternally in heaven with Jesus, right. which is exactly not what the Bible teaches so there's we're to, serious we have, have to rewrite Article 10. <laughs> uh, so buckle your seatbelt because there's not even one passage in the Bible yeah. that uses the language, go to heaven after you die. And if this was the point of the Bible, for us all to go to heaven after we die, don't you think there would at least be one verse in the Bible? Much less whole books and whole chapters sure. and reams of data that say, and they died, and they all went to heaven to live with Jesus eternally right. in heaven. There's not even one verse right. that says that.
1: So so then, okay.
0: <laughs> so so we have to draw clarity now because <laughs> I've blown everybody up.
1: So what will followers of Christ then experience after they die? Okay,
0: just because the Bible doesn't use that language doesn't mean right. that it doesn't have anything to say about sure. the afterlife or sure. or heaven or... But what we want to be clear about with the congregation this morning is going to heaven after you die to live with Jesus for eternity is not the way the biblical authors thought of it. Right. It's not the way Jesus talked to them about it. Hmm. Those who are experiencing Christ in the flesh, New Testament, Gospels, etc. and the writers didn't use that type of language because that's not the concept that Jesus taught them. Sure. It was not their takeaway from being with Christ. That we're going to die, be disembodied, fly away to heaven. Yeah. Here we go.
1: That's what we said is more of a Greek idea. Little or, baby or cherubs with
0: heart. It's a completely pagan idea. Yeah. It's not a Christian idea, but it got merged back into Christianity yeah. and carried into medieval Christianity and ultimately carried through the Enlightenment into America In and affected our Christianity. So, the Bible authors all use the same phrase mm-hmm. when they talk about what we're going to experience after we die. And that phrase is being with Jesus or with Christ. So, when someone says, Pastor, you know, my, my loved one died, where are they? Now, I can answer in this way they are with Jesus, yeah. they are with Christ. Now, we know this from several key passages in the New Testament, not as proof text, but as a, a theme you can tie throughout all the books. Right. Take, for example, Jesus himself on the cross. So he's hanging on the cross. There are the thieves hanging there with him. Jesus begins to speak uh, as the penitent thief repents and calls upon Jesus as Lord. Jesus responds in Luke 23, 43. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, today... You will be, and here's the key phrase, with me in paradise. We're going to paradise. Heaven. I don't know what words you want to use. Abraham's bosom. Several different uh, words are used in the Bible. We're going to the next life. And the one thing I can guarantee you and say about where your loved one is is they are with Jesus. Now, you can infer a whole lot of things about sure. that, what that state is. Yeah. It's not suffering in flames of fire. I can guarantee you that one. Yeah. With Jesus is something completely different than that. As you read through the book of Philippians, uh, you have to have the context. Paul's in Rome. He's in prison. Mm-hmm. And in prison, Paul is living every day as if it were his last. Mm-hmm. Because potentially every day is his last. Yeah. He's just waiting for a key to rattle in the lock. And they say, okay, the execution is ready. And Paul, living in the uh, jail, in, in the Mamertine prison of Rome, is living as if death, and I mean by execution, is his imminent outcome at any moment. Yeah. And this is what Paul wrote to the Philippians. Philippians 121, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, in this body, that means fruitful labor for me, we have a purpose, a vocation, yeah. you've been calling it, that we need to live out. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. And Paul's wording it that way, as if it, yeah. whether I can choose execution or say, it's really, somebody else is about to choose for him, but it's very cleverly worded. You know yeah. saying, what saying? What shall romance. I do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> shall I tell Caesar not to execute me? Yeah. Uh, 23. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and, here's the key phrase, be with Christ. is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. I'm sitting here writing the New Testament, and God, I'm living out my vocation even now in the flesh. But if the time comes to depart, well, okay, win-win. To live is Christ and to die is gain, is his thinking. Yes, I'd leave the body behind and I'd leave my ministry behind, but I would go to be with Jesus, be with Christ. Now, that's the consistent theme of the New Testament. For those who put their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, when you leave this life, you go to be with Christ. And what Paul's articulating is, sure, it's going to leave my uh, those who love me, it's going to leave my loved ones in a state of sadness. I get that. You're going to be sad if I'm gone. But for me, it's far better because I'm moving on with the next chapter of, of life to come. I'm a day closer to resurrection. I'm a day, you you know, and you can understand that thinking as well. Uh, And to read between the lines, what we know is this. We know we'll be in a state of consciousness Mm -hmm. because you can't say it's far better or you can't say be with Christ and yet say.
1: But but you're not aware of that. I'm unaware. I'm asleep,
0: soul sleep, that kind of thing. Uh, So let me say this. As far as you and I can deduce from the word of God. Our understanding is you're you're conscious, Mm -hmm. you're in a state of bliss, you are definitely with the Lord, that's clear from the Scripture. We know we'll never be separated from Him, Mm -hmm. that's clear from the Scripture. We know from John we pass from death unto life, that's clear from the Scripture. So there's no more death in your future anywhere, that Mm -hmm. crossing over to the other side or whatever you want to call that disembodied experience is going to be fixed and is not a, future, right. is not a future thing Yeah, we, we know that we also have to wait a while that's yeah. also clear from the scriptures yeah. and, and we'll read some of those in a moment remember the souls under the altar in the book of Revelation right. crying uh-huh. out how long oh Lord do you not avenge our blood yeah. uh, how long do we have to wait a while is what Jesus tells them <laughs> right. yeah, and, and he tells them what they're waiting for Things have to play out. There's still lost people being saved. Mm-hmm. There's still work that's being done. And we have to be patient and let that play out before we all get those resurrected bodies and sure. become complete together as the body of Christ. So we know uh, that we have the hope of a resurrected body. We know that because of Jesus himself yep. proclaimed to be the first fruits of them that slept, the beginning of the new creation of God. The second Adam, if you would. Yeah. All those l- languages used in the scripture. But, but the bottom line is, we have the hope of a resurrected body. Right. Both Jesus and Paul and the, all the New Testament writers believe that not even death could separate people from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. And they all believe that Jesus' followers would be with him after death.
1: So this brings up a question. Because what you're saying is that we leave this body. i are talking about getting resurrected bodies. So, what does that look like right now? When when I leave this body and I go to be with the Lord, right? What does that look
0: like? So we first have to grasp the potential that you can be disembodied. Okay. In other words, yeah. that the what is right here, my spirit and my body, can be uncoupled. Yeah. Similar to what happened in the Garden of Eden. Okay. Now it, let me just basically. Yeah, my, so my understanding is that when someone dies, they become disembodied spirits for a period of time. Yeah. And let me kind of build on that. I've conducted so many funerals, and in these memorials, we commit the body of our loved one to the ground or to the sea. Yeah. or or you know, Whether it's ashes or a body or a graveyard or the ocean or a river or whatever, we commit the remains of our loved mm-hmm. one. Dust you are and dust you, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you know, and we commit them back uh, to, to the earth. In saying that, we commit the body of our loved one back. We're saying they're not there. Right. This is the old house they lived in. They're not there. Yeah. The spirit has left the body.
1: Right. The thing that animated them. That <laughs> we don't bury really people there. who are
0: alive. That's, that's right. We commit the remains. That's right the remaining body, to the earth. And when you've been to as many funerals, I guess, as we have. I don't know. Some people have never been to. It surprises me all the time when people tell me this is my first experience you know, at a funeral. And and I just have to remember something we deal with every day. Not everybody deals with every day. But when we commit that body back to the earth, we're saying they're not here. In saying they're not here means they're somewhere. Where then are they? (laughs) That's the point. So we know the spirit and the body can be uncoupled. Uncoupled, that's a great... Disconnected. Yeah. And you can become... The real you who lives in this body can step out of that body and be disembodied, a disembodied spirit. So in the case of one who's put their faith in Christ, one who's born again, Mm -hmm. they temporarily go to heaven to be with the Lord. Grab my language right here. They temporarily go to heaven to be with the Lord. Wherever heaven is... Sure. Now, And I don't want to get into that whole conversation. (laughs) A million light years out versus right here through a portal into another dimension. But wherever heaven is, they step into that realm to be with the Lord, the Scripture says. Temporarily. In the case of one who is lost they temporarily go to a place of punishment called hell. In the scriptures, Paul does not envision a disembodied mode of existence as permanent. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we as followers of Christ, since the biblical authors didn't see it as permanent, we as followers of Christ should not see being disembodied at death to be a permanent mode of existence nor should we see it de- as desirable. In contrast to the pagans, which right. you and I have studied, uh, and that followers of Plato and the Greek philosophies, mm-hmm. who saw that as desirable. That is the thing. That's the true reality. That's t- pure Platonism. Let's yeah. get out of this wicked body. Yeah. Let's go as a spirit out into heaven or wherever. And now we're really living. Yeah, that's the real life. Get out of this body. Yeah. Because this is just shadows of the bigger things that exist. Now, it's Platonism, not Christianity, in case you're not following closely. Christianity teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that being disembodied is not the desirable state. Correct. We were never created to be disembodied. Right. He made Adam and Eve bodies and Mm -hmm. breathed into them the breath of life, and they became embodied spirits. And it was good. And the creation was so good. Yeah. That's what God keeps saying. This is so good. I mean, look at this. This is so good. Look at these wonderful people. They are images of me, the holy living God. They reflect my glory into this beautiful creation. They reflect worship back. And this is just awesome. And creation was meant to be filled with God's glory. This is the point. And we play a role in filling creation with God's glory as there are no idols in the temple. There are living images yes. called human beings in the temple of God. Now, there's our purpose. Yeah. We were never meant to be disembodied. Paul addresses this in Second Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, talking about the body, we have a building from God. Notice the language. One's tent, yeah. temporary, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh yeah.
1: Yeah, you tear it down five seconds. And it, not not permanent, and, yeah. not
0: too sturdy, right. not too stable. If the tent were destroyed, we have a building coming. Yeah. That's our future. The tent is going away, but a building, something more permanent, yeah. solid, substantial, yeah. substantial, something. Yeah, it's a pla- tent's a place to live in, sure. sure. But a house is better. (laughs) But a house is better. Yeah, exactly. And it's permanent and it's fixed, etc. So we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on a heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Which is an interesting term Paul is using. He's saying to be a disembodied spirit at death. It's kind of like being naked a little bit. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the desirable condition. Right. So I use the word temporary now yeah. twice to describe both heaven and hell after death in reference to loved ones who passed to go be with the Lord or go to a place of punishment. So let's explain to the congregation why the present reality of our loved ones in heaven or hell is not... Permanent. It's not the the. It's just temporary.
1: Well, and that brings up the a really important question, which is, what is the ultimate future for the Christian?
0: Talk, so talk that out. What's the more permanent? What's the ultimate future if that's only temporary?
1: Right. And we've been we've been kind of talking it around a little bit. The the ideal is not to be disembodied spirits just living in the ether or just out somewhere. Ghosts floating Ghosts around. Exactly. That's not what we saw pictured in Genesis chapter one and two. It's not what we see pictured in Jesus. It's not what we see pictured in revelation, rather what we are supposed to be is embodied spirits. That's what God created Adam and Eve to be. They are dirt, which really is supposed to call our minds to the fact that we're earthlings. We're different than God. We're earthlings and we're imbued with his spirit. He breathed in his life, his spirit into us. And so we are, we are to be embodied spirits, which makes up the idea of a soul. Um, soul is an interesting word, but really what it means is, is it's the, the whole package, the whole package, exactly yeah. of a physical body, a human physical body and a spirit all put into one thing. And what we see now though, is kind of a diminishment of that. Like we, we not fully human, I think is the phrase that we've used yeah. zombies even Yeah. where, where we have this corruptible body, this thing that can get sick and, uh, can, can be hurt and all those kind of things. It's less than fully human. Right. It's not what we were supposed. It's to That's all be. we know.
0: So we think this right. is like it. Yeah. But really, there's a whole other humanity whole that transcends this we've not yet experienced.
1: That's right. And, and, and Paul will continue on in Second Corinthians chapter five, verses four through five. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I love that phrase, swallowed up by life. Verse five. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Again, our desire is not to be disembodied spirits, just floating somewhere else in heaven forever. But rather, we want new bodies that can inhabit an earthly kingdom that God is going to bring. This is
0: actually... Because heaven and earth are going to reunite. That's right.
1: And again, if we we couch it again, if we put it back within the correct framework of what the Bible is actually talking about, as opposed to just saying it's going to be heaven one day, and that's the whole point of the whole deal. So we miss it that way. But if we put it back in the right framework, then we realize that the point of it is that God is going to create something new, or renew something, rather, a new heaven and a new earth. This is a gift from heaven that he extends to us. And death really is not the end for the follower of Jesus. There's life beyond.
0: And even though there may be a temporary holding moment...
1: An interim state is how... Waiting
0: the, for that yes. resurrection. Yes. Everyone's got to get their resurrection body, and the earth even has to get its resurrection. Yeah, the creation, creation will be
1: renewed. Well, and, and it's because, again, there's that rift, because sin still exists. We're still in these corruptible bodies everything hasn't been made right yet we haven't seen the second coming of christ we don't bring that in he does that correct and so when that happens things will once again overlap like they were always intended to and we'll get
0: a new body that can exist within that overlapping reality the kingdom has begun that's right it's inaugurated that's right christ is the beginning of the new creation the new creation has begun yes we haven't fully realized it yet Right. right but while we're waiting we to be living out the kingdom of God and the right principles now. of the kingdom and advancing the kingdom and proclaiming the good news yes. of the kingdom yes. even right now.
1: Well, and we've emphasized that like a lot
0: okay. this, this whole series. You can't say it too much, even for me and for everybody. <laughs> um, so let's kind of get to some of the more pointed questions yes. that were being asked then. So since we've emphasized that. Yes, the kingdom now. And then a bigger realization in the future do do we actually believe in a literal heaven or for that matter a literal hell yeah what
1: yes (laughs) the short answer is yes yes Yes, we do and we do
0: again because the bible you you can't escape it no it's there more than 500 times in the scripture heaven and hell are discussed and they may be discussed uh heaven as a direct term hell may be mentioned Sure, in metaphor, different Uh, kinds of words. Shield, Gehenna, Hades. But it's the same idea. But it's the idea of the life after. A separation from God. Separation from God. More than 500 times you're getting that language in the Scripture. You have to believe in it if you believe in the Bible. In a heaven and a a hell. But those are, uh, as I said, being disembodied, loved one goes to to be with Jesus. Right. Uh, An unbeliever separated from the body goes to hell to a place of punishment. Those are temporary realities. And they're temporary because they're foreshadowing Hmm. more intense and more permanent realities yet to come. In other words, can you get out of hell? A lot of times Christians are imprecise with their language. Yes, you can get out of hell, it's temporary. But you only get out of hell to go to the lake of fire. That's right. And more intense and a permanent situation from which there's no escape.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Is heaven permanent or temporary? Well, it's temporary in the state now. Right. But what we misunderstand is those who are in heaven are going to get a resurrected body. We which are alive and remain get a transformation. Heaven and earth collide and unite. Yeah. And that becomes the new heaven and new earth reality. That the Bible is teaching about, not that we fly away into outer space to be with God forever, yeah. and either disembodied or reembodied out of the way, but that He is reigning and ruling.: right. We're back to Eden. back to Eden. We've cycled back around to where the story went off the rails. Yeah. And in and Genesis chapter three. That's right. Uh, the experiment never got out of the garden of Eden. Right. right.. And we can talk a lot about because of Satan and the temptation and the whatever right. yeah. and the fall of man. But the experiment, the experiment's not even project. a project, yeah. the human project yeah. uh, gets back on track. Yes. In other words, the story doesn't end with we fly away to heaven. The story ends with a new beginning. That's right. A resurrection for the planet and us. Yeah. And a fresh start at our vocation again as images of God in a temple. Yes. This time, In
1: his this
0: time, minus Satan, yes. who's been banished to the lake of fire, that's never right. to escape. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The story gets put back on track yeah. at, at the end. Well, and,
1: and I've heard one theologian say it this, but it's a confusing phrase, but I like it. Life after life after death.
0: Sure. I get that. We, we have a life ahead of us. That's all that's ahead. Right. That's why it's glorious and hopeful yeah. and joyous and brings us us peace. Hell and heaven ultimately give their citizens up to the next thing. That's right. Because they are temporary. So I guess the next question then is, what does our resurrection bodies look like? Yeah. So let's you and I talk that out for a minute. And I think uh, this is one of the hardest ones of all. Because we have glimpses of Jesus mm-hmm. to talk about. Mm-hmm. But not lots of information beyond that.
1: Yeah, again, we don't have the, the books of first and second, third heavens. Or third first, second, third resurrection. Right, exactly. Tell us, you know, yeah. a videotape image
0: of what exactly we're going Correct. to see. We have images. Here's how your feet will look. Here's <laughs> yeah, how high right. you can jump. <laughs> Here's what your yeah. you know, we don't have that information. Yeah. Yeah. We have glimpses of a resurrected Christ, uh, really in just a few chapters. Yeah. Few pages of our Bible yeah. as we go into the book of Acts. And then
1: and then we even have Adam and Eve who were fully human at one point. Glimpses of but that. But again, glimpses of that again.
0: So when Paul was pressed on this, again, he didn't have reams of information either. So yeah. when Paul was pressed, what does the resurrection body look like? What, when we rise from the, the, the grave, what does that look like? When Paul was pressed on this, oddly enough, he started talking about seeds. That's the answer. Yeah. So if you want to know what the resurrection's body's like, Glimpses of Adam and Eve, pre-fall. Mm-hmm. Glimpses of resurrected Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul yeah. talking about seeds. This really is what we've got. Or, uh, John, yes. where he says, yeah. When we shall see him, we shall be as he is. You see what I'm saying? And, yeah. you know, but that can mean yeah. very... And that's
1: kind of hard to understand. It's a very you know? loose
0: language yeah. there. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, anyway, here's what Paul said. Let me read a little of the seed talk. Okay. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-five. Some will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. Silly, silly people. Listen. (laughs) What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, talking about seeds now, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen to each kind of seed, Its own body. Let me skip down to verse forty-two for sake of time. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable; this body is not permanent. It it breaks down. Okay, it is perishable. But what is raised is imperishable. All right, here's glimpses of the resurrection body now. So it, uh, verse forty-three. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Hmm. Now, whatever glory you think man has, whatever masculinity, femininity are, whatever handsomeness and beauty are, whatever man's highest glory of accomplishment is, it's absolutely nothing compared to what's coming. Because this glory that we know now is called actually dishonor. But it will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, hello, there is a spiritual body. Verse 47. The first man was from the earth. Now he goes back to Adam again to try to describe what's the coming body look like. We have to hearken back to the first man and woman. The first man was from the earth is what you talked Mm -hmm. about. He was an earthling. Made from earth for earth a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Heaven connecting to human body now. Earthlings that are born from heaven. You know, we're we're coming back to something now. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust, and as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, just as we bear the image of Adam and Eve, so shall also we bear the image of the man from heaven. Well, the only real image we have of the new creation from heaven is the resurrected Jesus Christ. So, let's talk about the resurrection body. Here's what we know about the resurrection body. It is similar... But not exactly like this body. Right. Right. This is what we can deduce from the glimpses of Jesus between his resurrection and ascension. Recognizable as Jesus, the man Jesus Mm -hmm. that they knew from Nazareth, the carpenter's son. Yeah. Recognizable, but not completely recognizable. Yeah.
1: There's several moments where like people,
0: his closest followers.
1: Didn't realize it was there. They're
0: looking at him and talking to him and don't recognize who it is, yeah. and then all of a sudden they're like, Wait a second. Yeah, that
1: was You're Jesus.
0: <laughs> so yeah. he's recognizable, but not immediately. Yeah. Yes. Let, let me just throw you a curveball here, Dave. How tall are you? Uh, six eight and a half. No, I'm six two. So I'm five nine and a half. <laughs> if I knocked on your door and was looking you eyeball to eyeball a six two Bobby Harrell, would you recognize me immediately? Probably. Let me twist it again. If I had jet black hair, or, yeah. or, or as I did as a teenager, had reddish brown hair. Yeah. If I had reddish brown hair and was six foot three. that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> six foot three yeah. with red brown hair, yeah. and I knocked on your or passed you on the street. Thought, yeah. Dave.
1: I may not know. How that. you doing,
0: Dave? You'd be like, Who's Wow, you? you're familiar, but I don't recognize right. you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. What if some of my imperfections were gone and made perfect in some way? I was me, but more me. Yeah. Me, but a, maybe a slightly different version of me.
1: Yeah, but still essentially. Because
0: you. there's some things about all of us that we are praying will be fixed in the <laughs> resurrection. Yeah. A lot of people are like, you know, will I still have this nose? Will I have any abs in the resurrection? Will I have? And the list goes on and on and on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, will things be lifted and firm and and just all kinds of things. People have asked about the resurrection body. Uh, you will be you. Yeah. But more, more fully yeah. human in the way that Adam and Eve were, that Jesus Christ was. ...than you are right now. Yep. Still you, but a better version of you. The same way that a seed is a tree. Okay, so let's talk that out. But it's, yep. not, it's not fully there fully. So there's here's that. this watermelon seed. It is a watermelon. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, sure. Uh, its destiny is to be. Yeah. And bear that image of the watermelon. Yeah. But right yeah. now it looks like a dried up little black seed that somebody spit. Yeah. Okay? But let that thing die and be planted. Right. And that seed then brings forth its full potential. And you and I walk through the fields of summer and pluck this monster melon, right. you know, take it in and put it in an ice chest with 40 pounds of ice. <laughs> and 20 hours later, cut that thing open and yeah. it's reached its full glory, you know.
1: Are you a guy to put salt on the watermelon. Uh, I'm, I'm
0: fine with that too. Okay. Uh, in the way that an acorn yeah. is an oak tree. Not yet, but. In its full it will potential. Be, yes. If it realizes yeah. its destiny, yeah. this acorn, this seed is destined to be this. It is inglorious. Right. right. And fragile, and we don't know if it's going to really get it, get it done. Yeah. But it has the potential to be this glorious, yeah. massive. You know, you've seen one of those hundred year old oak trees. Yeah, that's just California with red oaks. Yeah. Yeah. That's the potential within the seed. So, And this is the language that's being used. Yeah. You think you're all that right now. Just wait. You're just the acorn. You have not yet come into your full glory yeah. of what true, full humanity in a resurrection body is really all about.
1: And, and whatever they're trying to refer to here, the whole idea is that it's material. It's material. It's physical. It's a, it's a real body. Yes. It's not a
0: ghost. It's not no. just
1: figurative speech. No, absolutely. It's not just metaphor. This is, we're talking literal here. Physical, embodied spirits. Just like what Jesus showed us when he was resurrected. He ate with his disciples. They had a fish breakfast, I think, when, when they're out fishing with his the disciples. Uh, they uh, Thomas touches the scar on Jesus, I think this
0: side. He's or very side. physical.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a physical, but he does stuff that... Doesn't seem that transcends our understanding of a physical body, like he appears and disappears in rooms that are locked somehow. Correct, and he disappears.
0: He can disappear here and appear way over here. He has the ability to travel. It appears in some other way. Yeah, we don't know anything about that. No, except what we just see it and we say, (laughs) "Well, we don't." Where (laughs) is first spiritual travel chapter three? I'd like to read that. Yeah. And know more about how I can travel in my resurrected body and how a physical material body can go through material solid objects. Right. We know nothing about that.
1: Yeah. And, and it, it, it's category blowing because we think of ghosts when we think of that. But that's Correct. not what Jesus. He was a physical body. Us. That's right. And, yes. And Adam and Eve again are the same way. They are wholly physical beings. They show us what complete humans who are connected. This, this is the whole point. They're connected to the source of life, which is God. Yeah. So apart from that, you, you, you're not anything. And so what we see in them is that they can be directly in God's presence. They're walking with God in the garden, and they're not, they're there's eat, no fear. They, they
0: eat. That's right. They're told to reproduce. Yep. They That's worship physical. God. They fellowship with God. Spiritual is touching physical. That's right. Heaven is touching earth. You say, are they spiritual or physical? Yes, is the answer and 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 our categories we're using right now don't always fit that's right
1: and and the beauty of that is there's harmony when when the spiritual and the physical are overlapped like they're supposed to be heaven and earth like they're supposed to be there's harmony with animals there's harmony in the creation and even further there's
0: harmony between people yeah that's a thread i just love to pull we don't have the time yeah. what our planet desperately needs is healing absolutely both so- on a societal level yes. the way humans interact yeah but also the planet itself yeah. needs healing. Um, it's coming. It's coming. This is the, fu- this is the hoped
1: for future mm-hmm. is renewal on the horizon. And, right. and all, all of these images, they point to what we will look like, what we'll be like in the resurrection. And, and we can't go so far, but kind of the things we do know is that we'll be healthy and whole, that we'll be in harmony with God, yep. with each other, with the creation. We'll be recognizable, um,
0: you know, some, in some way. They they still but knew at, it was at, Jesus, but at that point everybody will be in the same. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. We're kind same. of all in the same boat yeah, at that right. point. If I'm not quite as recognizable, but still recognizable, so are you. Yeah. Maybe we get to rediscover all of our relationships again. Well, that'd be fun in a fresh way. Yeah. You know, get to re meet everybody and. Maybe of a déjà vu. I know you. Don't. Yeah, come on, man. We met. Yeah, this yes. is the new me. Look at this. And
1: without the filter of masks or suspicion or what is that person thinking or whatever, it's going to be completely open and honest and beautiful. And somehow there seems to be memory. Mm-hmm. We seem to know who we are. Correct. Uh, Jesus
0: knew whose disciple. Again, were. this is why we believe when we leave this life, there is we remain conscious. Conscious. Oh, that's right. You keep your consciousness. You keep your personality. You yep. keep you, yeah, which includes then some memories, sure, experiences. You keep you. Yeah, you're not a robot
1: that just gets transformed into some ideal picture or whatever it might be. You're still you, some way. But you get
0: gloriously repackaged somehow. That's right. No, and right. again, I'd love to explain it in better terms, but we don't have them.
1: Well, and that's that idea of incorruptible too. That that our bodies are going to be something brand new, where our our desire to live for God and our desire to not sin will finally match up with our body's ability to, to keep do that. Stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now this is speculation because we don't actually know, but there might be some ability to enhance your appearance. Again, Jesus was recognizable, but, but, but not. not. So what, what is that all about? Yeah. Maybe instant travel. Like we've talked about yeah. the ability to, you know, the ability to walls or, and
0: how we understand physics to work. Sure. Might be bent. Well, again, uh, we're not having a funeral in Romania. We're having a celebration service. So if God wants to change things, he certainly can in this material world. We've seen it. So in the world to come, surely uh, physics will be changed as we understand it. That's right. Because his solid physical body could go through another solid physical object. Right. Appearing through a lot, it, it, well, we and, don't understand it, but there it is. And God can do stuff like miracles. Yeah,
1: God can do stuff that that
0: dismantles again
1: categories. And why won't we be given some of that power and ability? Maybe not to perform
0: like God did necessarily, right. but, again, but again, the John, ability. But again, John says, when we get to this state, we will be as he is. True. And again, it's hard to pull that thread and articulate <laughs> that further, except yeah. to say John somehow knew we'd be like him when we saw him. Yeah. You know. Yeah,
1: it's it, it's a, it, there's some things we can know and a lot of speculation that's really fun to think about. But ultimately, we're going to be brand new in some new way. That's right. going to be fantastic. Now, you've talked about at the beginning of the sermon, um, the idea of funerals and and how a lot of a lot of this conversation gets up get brought up when when these Someone things dies. happen. Yeah. yeah, and so I, I guess this is an interesting question to think about. What are what are the Christians' viewpoints
0: on? Cremation versus burial this is a big question, and it's something that you will get more and more as you yeah. as you minister and pastor. Uh, you and Jeremy will answer lots of questions about cremation, burial, and guide families as they're making final arrangements for the disposition of the remains of their loved one. Yeah. Uh, I, the easiest way for me to start that conversation is to tell you that that question is linked to our Christian understanding of the resurrection. Right. In other words, what you believe about the resurrection will inform the way you want to bury your loved ones. Mm-hmm. So you have in your mind and in your heart right now some understanding of the future. Yeah. Maybe we've changed it a little bit through this sure. series, but you're, you have some perception of what what will be the future of your loved one, both where they are, that it is temporary, yeah. that they will return. All of these things are yeah. informing your, your decisions and that understanding basically drives how we deal with the remains of our, of our loved one. Let me back up to the early Christians, really the New Testament time, and pull that forward to modern time. The early Christians had a very high view of the sanctity of life, which means they thought human life was from God. It was a gift from God. It was not to be taken lightly. And whereas the pagans had... A very low view of human life, very low. just kill whoever you want to kill. The Christians had a very high view of human life and the sanctity of life, which also spilled over into uh, how they treated the remains of their loved ones. In other words, uh, we have a high view of life. my loved one dies, here is their body. They treated the remains, the body, yeah. in a respectful way. Yeah. That's the only way I really know to articulate. they're very yeah. respectful. About handling the corpse with dignity. Yep. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Christianity broke into North Africa in much this way. Because bodies were being thrown into the streets, but the Christians gathered them, washed them, and gave them proper burial. And it became such a testimony of the community that people began to come to faith in Christ. Because Christians had such a high view yes. of the sanctity of life. They said, even though life has left the body... It was their earthly house for a period yeah. of time. Let's treat the remains. With honor and respect. On, listen, right. it's, it's, it's criminal to abuse a corpse. Yeah. It's a criminal offense. That comes from Christianity. Comes from Christianity yeah. that you, you, you should respect even the house yeah. that the person used to live in, even if the person has gone, the real them, yeah. the spirit yeah. has gone yeah. to be With the Lord. And they had such a strong belief in the resurrection, and they held on to the promise that Christ would raise their loved ones from the dead, that they chose to bury their dead rather than cremate them. Because of this viewpoint, they chose to bury them rather than cremate them because, now I'm back in early Christianity, because in early Christianity, the people that were burning bodies were Romans, they were pagans. And so, in the early days, the Christians said, oh, pagans burn bodies, Christians respect the remains and wash and dress, yeah. and, and maybe in some way spices or embalming or whatever, and, and then commit the body back to the earth. So, the early Christians chose to bury their dead rather than cremate, because they saw cremation in those days as a more of a pagan practice. Yeah. Now. Let's spread Christianity from Israel now through Asia Minor, mm-hmm. Greece, Rome, into Europe. Yeah. As Christianity spread into Euro- uh, the European nations and really across the Roman Empire, uh, as Christianity become, became more and more influential, like by the 4th century, cremation was almost non-existent wow. in Europe by the 4th century. You, you fast forward just a little bit further when Charlemagne the Great, Became the Holy Roman Emperor, if you would, eighth century, when Charlemagne came, he actually instituted a law hmm. that cremation was a capital offense. Oh. <laughs> uh, because again, he had become like this champion, yeah. you know, for for the for the kingdom of God, you know, yeah. kingdom of God on earth, being the Holy Roman Empire sure. in their view. <laughs> uh, that uh, we won't allow again what they then saw at that moment as a pagan practice to be exercised in our polite society. And so it became a capital capital offense. And uh, a lot of people think that was the influence of Christianity that really caused that uh, idea of cremation to be pushed aside. Uh, but then, you know, now we're way beyond that. Right. Things have changed a lot now. Um, and we understand many reasons why early Christians would not want to be cremated. Yeah. It distinguished who they were. Correct. Chief among them. And you have to understand they're being burned at the stake for their faith. Right. So being put to the fire was a direct assault against Christianity. And it was what they were suffering for their faith. And it was being done to them. (laughs) And so they had this
1: subtle rebellion.
0: here. They had this adverse. (laughs) You say burn a body. They were like, that was an an immediate no, no in their in, in their thinking. Let's fast forward over to America now. And Europe and America have totally changed on this right. now. By In the 1930s, in the United States, cremation was almost non-existent. Mm. It was considered bizarre. Turn of the century, 1910, 1920, 1930, cremation was such the exception to the rule in America that it was insignificant. Wow. It, it was considered bizarre and not common. Yeah. Let me fast forward now. 1996, mm-hmm. modern era. 22 percent, 1996, 22 percent of Americans are being cremated. That's quite a leap from... It's a big leap from non-existent to 22 percent. Fast forward 20 years. By 2016, just a few years ago now, cremation rose to 50 percent of Americans are being cremated by 2016. Now, the latest statistics, which are just maybe one year old now, Mm -hmm. are projecting that cremation rates will rise again in the next 15 years. Mm -hmm. In 15 years from now, 80% of Americans will be cremated. That's how we'll be dealing with the final remains. The largest Christian nation, if Mm -hmm. you would, now by 2030, 2035, Mm -hmm. 15 years, Almost all funerals will be cremation, uh, ceremonies. I mean, the, the cremation will happen. You'll be figuring out how to do the memorial with an urn or with ashes or with something right. other than casket, viewing, committal in a cemetery. Why? Okay, so this is a big question. Let me ask the viewers. Y'all are in watch parties. Here's a great thing to discuss in a few minutes. Why? Uh, what's driving this? Uh, and again, I have some perspective. I have a strong opinion what's driving this. I don't think it's because Americans are all pagans. Right. Our perception has changed. Yeah. Couple that with most people are being cremated not as a matter of theology or religious belief. They're being cremated as a matter of economics. Hmm. It's a financial decision. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, let me give you some perspective. I sit with the family at the funeral home. If you run a funeral home, I'm not granting me, you know, you provide a valuable service to our community. There's my disclaimer, okay? Uh, we should open a funeral home and a cemetery. I've been preaching this for years. This is something the churches should be doing, not independent parties, but I don't want to get on a soapbox. When I go to the funeral home and sit with the family, yeah. and the funeral home brings out the menu of services, and opens it you have to we start now an hour of decision making as a family and you're going to go into the next room pick the casket come back in Mm -hmm. the caskets will be labeled by model like you're buying a sports car right this is the ferrari 6000 this is the mustang 2017 model this is the and they're all in their label this is the thunderbird series made of pure mahogany this is the lightweight Titanium series, guaranteed to withstand Category Six hurricane. You know what I'm saying? I'm serious. This is what it's like. Yeah. And this one's ten thousand, and that one's seven thousand, and this right. one's three thousand. And now you've just said it. Which which one do you? Which one provides the dignity that you want to give your loved one? Yeah. <laughs> and the pressure's on right there. Yeah. You're going to spend fifteen thousand dollars in the next thirty minutes. This is what this looks like. And which songs would you like sung? We'll print the brochure for you. Would you like us to do that? You click yes, and what happens on the other side is $500 is added to the bill. Would you like? Yes, we would. $500 is added to the bill. When we're done, we've run up a 10 dollars to 15 to $20,000 bill in the last 30, 45 minutes, making decisions in the funeral home. And for most families, let's say most, for many families, where there weren't insurance policies or prearranged funeral uh, 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 arrangements made. Yeah, yeah. You, let me give you a great example. The last funeral I did, a young woman died in our church unexpectedly yeah. in the prime of life. Her loved ones were two college students. Yeah. Her son and daughter in their early 20s i I'm not thinking about this. And, and then you have to make all of these decisions in your early 20s. Right. And you're like, you're looking at your brother or sister sitting there. And you're like, we've got to make ten to $20,000 worth of decisions in the next 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, you may not have even had time to open your mother or father's bank account to even see what's in it. Sure. Do you think a 20-year-old <laughs> is saying, only the best for dad. I'll take the mahogany 6000 right there. You know, it's Cindy Mountain style. Most 20-year-olds aren't thinking that way. They're like, wow, wouldn't dad be happy? (laughs) Just to, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, this is what it looks like. And so for most people, when you say cremation rates have rose, maybe some more self-righteous Christians would say, well, America's gone pagan. No, it hasn't. Our loved ones are facing, when they buried the bodies of their loved ones in, Previous generations, it didn't cost three months of salary to do it.
1: And the church did it. Uh,
0: uh, Yeah, the church, the family, the community, someone you know built a wooden box. I mean, I experience this still in countries like Romania and India where we travel, where I've done the funeral, and we go to the courtyard, Elijah. How many times have we done this? We go to the courtyard of the house, and they bring the wooden casket out of the house where the family has washed the body of their own loved one. They have clothed the body of their own loved one. They have put their body in with no embalming into a wooden box that we nail the lid shut, we carry it into the courtyard together, and we preach Christ and the hope of resurrection with all of our neighbors and the community gathered in our own yard, our front yard essentially. And we proclaim Christ and we tell the whole community you're watching us bury our father today, but don't weep for us. Because we have the hope of the resurrection, right. and while we commit his body to the ground, we know that in just a few days we'll see him more alive. Now, that's what a funeral looks like in another country, where there's not this crushing weight of debt right. put on the family. Yeah. So in America now, you're faced with $15,000 worth of burial expenses versus 2000 80% of Americans are destined in the next few years to choose 2000 over 15 and it's an economic decision and it's, it's borne out again by our faith in the resurrection from the dead that, let me see if I can just pull this thread because this is really a big interest to our families we're not insensitive no. to the plight of the early Christians we're not insensitive to the fact that they were burned at the stake no. their families they've watched their children their their husbands and wives their bodies being ripped to shreds by lions and tigers and bears in the Colosseum. And they had no dignity of burial. The animals ate their loved ones. And any chunks that remained were gathered up by the Roman janitor of the Colosseum and thrown in the trash or incinerated in a fire. There was no proper Christian burial in that no words were said, no no you know am saying? Yeah. Not it was in a formal service. It was a violent and abrupt end yeah. to a beautiful life. And it wasn't like six people. Yeah. We're talking millions yeah. of believers have met a violent end to their lives. Which is why ancient Christians tried to inter the remains. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't have the whole body, would gather, even we follow this practice in America from a military point of view. Yeah. If one of our servicemen or women are yeah. killed in the line of duty, let's just use IED or something like that that's catastrophic okay. for the remains, they will gather what they can find in the most dignified and respectful way possible and place them into a a life-size casket, even if there's only this much left of our loved one, and they will bring it to Andrews with formal dignity and ceremony. And you say, where does that come from? Is it just respect for service members? It's born from Christianity that says we have a high view of life, and even the remains are to be treated with respect. We recognize they gave their lives for a grateful country. Again, it's a dignity thing. Uh, they met a violent end. How could we show the most dignity so at the end of their life? This
1: brings up a question. How then did the early Christians view, I mean, we're talking about the view of resurrection is how we deal with the remains of So the you're body. getting
0: to the essence so, of it now.
1: So they buried because they thought God needed a body
0: or bones? To create the new one. Right.
1: In the resurrection. Is this is a saying? myth.
0: This is a misnomer. Okay. There is no evidence from ancient writings that the early Christians believed that God needed your body or bones. Let's use bones because that's what it will turn to. Or Mm -hmm.
1: dust. Or dust eventually.
0: Ultimately. If you hold the position that God needs your remains in order to make your new body, my question to you would be one, what evidence do you have for that? There is none biblically or in the ancient writings. Two, how much of your body does God need to make your new body? Yeah. In other words, if you would hold the position, well, we're going to inter remains in a Christian embalmed casket ceremony. How many bones does God need then, if he needs your bones? Two percent, five percent. Which bones does he need? Yeah. Does he need the cranium and the, the fibula and the tibula and a humerus and a femur? I mean, what does he yeah. need? Where in the book of First Bones, Chapter 3, again, <laughs> right. we don't have this information that God needs 30% of your bones. Well,
1: when you just said it too, there were, there were violent martyr deaths where L- there listen, was nothing Let's to bring recover. it into
0: modern history. Yeah. Thousands of people died on 9-11 yeah. when the Twin Towers came burning, crashing to the ground. Yeah. Many people in our congregation knew people in those buildings. Listen, in those thousands of people who were incinerated by burning jet fuel. There were Christians in that building. Followers of Jesus Christ, hundreds and hundreds of them died that day. What happened to their bodies? Right. They were completely incinerated to, to ash blown into the air all over manhattan
1: and if we bought into that idea that there has to be some thing that we bury in order for god to resurrect them then it goes completely antithetical to all that scripture talks correct and and how he deals with the martyrs and the fact that we see the martyrs even at you know the foot of here are the the souls of them under the altar
0: who were beheaded for the gospel's sake that's right uh who knows where their bones are yeah who knows where their bodies are yeah How long, O Lord, do you not avenge us? Paul's saying those who are disembodied don't want to be in that naked state perpetually. They want to be reclothed with a resurrection body. Now, where the guy's head is and where his body is, is irrelevant. We're talking about a God that could create everything from nothing, nothing. can certainly recreate your... He created Adam's body from From dust. dust. And again, I think this is beautiful. There is the first Adam. Here comes the second Adam. And what God is saying to us is, I don't need your remains to create your new body. I can create your new body purely from the dust as I did the first Adam. And it's almost like saying this. When I relaunch, when the earth gets its resurrection and you get your resurrection, I can just pull, again, our bodies from the dust of the earth. Listen, how many Christians have gone down in the ocean? Yeah. Where are they? Right. What happened to their remains? I mean, a shark got them, and a crab got them, and a sure. and, and listen, they buried them at sea in the Gulf, and a week later they're they're in the Mediterranean, and the North Atlantic, and the Pacific. You right. see what I'm saying? I mean, you really think this through to its logical yeah. end, and you'll realize uh, our 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 loved ones potentially are everywhere. It's a sensitive subject, and it's something that we need to be discussing with our family, first of all, Uh, and maybe we were hoping as we talked through this message that maybe this would give some of you a moment to sit down with mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, and have a discussion and just say, you know what? Uh, We talked about this Sunday at church, uh, and I just want to bring this up with you. How do you see this playing out? Nobody wants to talk about death, first of all, so it's always a sensitive subject, and I'm not wishing that it would happen soon. You may have to give some disclaimers. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not hoping for anything. I'm just saying I want to be prepared when this happens to know what your thoughts and wishes are about about your your remains. So you should discuss this with your family and you should not wait. These are conversations that people should be having as a part of family talk once in a while. Just so your kids know if you haven't written it down somewhere, and that would always be good too. But if you haven't then at least verbally tell them this is what I expect. Because I can tell you this, from being on the pastoral side of this, every family sits down and says, my loved one wanted, this is the way the conversation goes. Uh, and so they want in that final uh, acts towards their family member do, to do what their family member wanted done and to honor them in some way. My mom always wanted, this song makes me crazy, but my mom always wanted me to sing this song. Okay, well we'll sing it then. Not because we love it, but because it would have made your mom happy. And when the singing of it today, we'll all remember how happy this song made her, and we'll rejoice that she was a part of our lives, if that makes clarity on, on the subject. So, uh, my dad chose burial. I'll just be personal for a minute. My dad chose burial. He's buried over at the National Cemetery in Grand Prairie, the Military Cemetery. Mom will be interred. That's her choice. There with dad. Okay? We'll have embalming and burial. Um, Susan's mom, Who I assume is watching right now has had discussions with Mary and Susan. Mary wants to be cremated, and so she'll be cremated, and Susan will get directions for what she wants done. Mary, I hope you're not going to live on our mantle in an urn. Just I love you, but you know, don't creep me out. Uh, I'm sure Mary has probably communicated some things to you about, uh, you know, I I know she has about uh, where she wants her her ashes dispersed, her remains dispersed. Um, Susan and I haven't fully decided. We've decided partially, so it's a little interesting for us. The one thing we've decided is, um, and again, maybe because we do so many funerals and we're we're, we're, thinking about yeah. We have decided we don't want open casket anything. Once we die, Jack and Andrew, that's it, okay? You can close the lid, or if we decide for cremation, you can cremate us. But we don't want anybody to remember us that way. Embalmed with makeup and everybody coming by and saying, I want one last visual snapshot to hold in my mind forever of how creepy Bobby and Susan look in death.
1: Right.
0: To us, that's always a morbid and weird thing, and we're not sure how Christianity ever did this. To us, we think once we die, you should get word that we have passed. You don't need to see our corpse that's just weird to us. You don't need to see my corpse to know that I'm dead. I won't be at work yeah. for a long time. And you'll know I'm dead, okay? I'm just yeah. saying, you don't need to see my corpse and thump yeah, me or something. Yeah, or he's something. dead.
1: Right.
0: You in? The, you breathe him up, no, he's yeah. dead. Our he's medicine
1: dead. has advanced quite a bit.
0: Don't yeah. he look natural?
1: Yeah.
0: No, I don't. I look dead. Yeah. Uh, I don't want you to remember me that way and neither does Susan want our boys and ultimately yeah. our grandchildren to remember us that way. Because that we are not dead. Right. You're As a matter up of life fact, we have passed from death to life. Right. And the next time you do see us, yeah. we're going to be more alive than you even remember us. Yeah. You're going to be saying, hey, what's up with that brown hair? Six <laughs> foot three, huh? Oh, wow. High five over here. Yeah. The next time you see us, we're going to be very much alive. Yeah. And we'll be more ourselves than we have ever been. But people need to decide this. Yeah. It's a huge expense. Listen, I've got recommendations. People rarely follow them. (laughs) Take the $15,000 you would have spent on your funeral. Put it in a trust fund and let it bear compounding interest. Leave in your will that you want your children to take the $15,000. You've always wanted to go to Hawaii anyway. Let your kids and your grandkids and their spouses all fly to Hawaii and spend a week celebrating your life and sprinkle your ashes, you know, on the beach of Hawaii, and spend that same $10,000, 20000 celebrating the life you had together and the promise of the resurrection as they watch the sun rise over, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'll just saying, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to spend 15000 yeah, yeah. and staring at the corpse of our loved ones probably isn't the best one.
1: Well, and whatever mode you end up, you know, choosing or thinking about, those really aren't representative anymore of whether or not you are a pagan or you're not in America, we're not not in America. It really, what matters now, what bears more significance than the mode of burial is, is the ceremony, what you talk about, the atmosphere that you produce, uh, the, the fact that Jesus is magnified in that service, the fact that he's talked about, because really the whole point of this is that we get a new body. There's a resurrection coming. Correct. And while there might be a temporary time where we're disembodied
0: with, even, with the Even Lord, in that temporary time, yeah. we're happy, we're that's with right. the Lord, That's right. everything's good, there's nothing to worry about, we're no. right there with Him, yeah. we'll never be separated from His presence, yeah. it's good, it's okay. It's, yeah, it is. Again, it's not the end. No. How long, oh Lord, but do we get above? But it's good.
1: Like Paul said it, uh, to, to, to to be with, with the Lord is great. Yeah, yeah, that's it's right. Good. And 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 so, but we don't want to miss what what we're really pounding on the head over and over again here which is that we can experience resurrection life right now right now when we put our faith and trust in Christ he gives us his own life he gives us the life through the power of the spirit he transfers us from the citizenship of darkness into the citizenship of the kingdom and and we do that that whole that whole symbolism of burial through baptism we raised to new, into new life, life to walk with him and th- for those of us who have placed our Faith and trust in Him, we're now set on a, a joyful trajectory. We're now bringing heaven here, and our ultimate end will be to be with Christ. And and we're supposed to be becoming more like Him right now as we live in that right side up version of the world that Jesus always intended us for us to live, where we get to serve others, we get to correct injustice in the world. We become hot spots of heaven as we bear forward, as we reclaim our vocation, as we've kind of talked about a little bit. And then it definitely get to be with Jesus.
0: That's That's a pretty sweet deal. Pretty sweet deal. God's, listen, even if we've not thought all of this through, God has. He sure has. He's thought about every possibility and set us on a trajectory to be with him and to be restored as images of a holy God. That's right. Hot spots right now on planet Earth. Whatever you think you're going to be doing in the new heaven and new earth, you ought to be doing that right now. That's right. Attempting right now to do that very thing. So I would say this, if you have some doubts about your destination, um, you know, as I said earlier, the Bible doesn't say tons about die and go to heaven in that language, but we already know there are two destinations and only two. And if you're not at peace about your destination, what I would say to you is don't focus on the destination, focus on the relationship with God. Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and reconnect into a relationship with God because it's the relationship that determines the destination. That's good. It's not, oh, I'm going to go to heaven, now let me work on my walk with Christ. It's the opposite. Right. Let, me, let me connect to God through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And No man comes to the Father but by me. Paul said in Romans, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You confess, you believe, you call upon God. Work on the relationship that determines the ultimate destination. Yeah, that's right. So if you're not at peace with your destination, let me give you a moment right now. Yeah. So as we close this service, uh, in a few moments, we'll uh, our watch parties have discussion guides and you guys will be able to take a few moments and kind of draw out some of the things we said before you go home. But for those watching in North Texas and in some of the other states of our union and maybe around the world, if you're not completely at peace with your destination, you just don't know uh, that heaven is your home, that that you've put your trust in Christ, let me talk you through what that would look like. The Bible says that by putting your faith in, putting your trust in Jesus Christ, you can be born again. Uh, We articulate that through a prayer of faith. And you could use... Many different words to articulate that, but I can give you a little model to follow. It's not a magic formula where if no. you say this, poof. God it, has to
1: do it or whatever. It's but it's your,
0: ours, be, yeah. it's you believing <laughs> That's right. and articulating that belief and by faith receiving Christ. And God honors that. God honors that. Yeah. He credits it to you through faith as, as it were your own righteousness right. or the righteousness of God imputed to you. Let's pray together. If you've never received Christ, you ought to, you ought to pray from your inner heart to God in this way. Dear God, I believe you are. And Jesus, I believe you are who you claim to be, the very Son of God. God come down to earth as a man. And Lord, I believe that. I believe you lived a perfect life. I believe you laid down your life on the cross for me. That in dying there, you were not dying for your crimes. You were dying for my sins. And you gave your life for me. I believe you were buried and rose again. And you gave me the promise through you of a resurrection as well. And this morning, Lord, I want to confess to you that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I need you. And So the best way that I know today, I'm going to put my trust and my faith in you. Jesus, I, I ask you right now to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and into my life. Save me from my sins. Now, Lord, Connect me to you forever in a relationship. Be my king, be my Lord, be my Savior. And Lord, from this day forward, help me to see that my my life is in you, my hope is in you, and Lord, help me to live for you. Fill me now as a born-again Christian with your Holy Spirit and live in my heart and in my life forever. Thank you for loving me and thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.